I'm Cray Beaumont Flynn. Welcome to Beyond the Design, a show that gives you a peek behind the curtain of the design industry and shares the stories of those that are the driving force behind it. Well, welcome to Beyond the Design, and today we have with us as our guest, Hudson Moore. Welcome to the show, Hudson. Thanks for having me. So you are the senior design editor of Frederick Magazine, and you also just authored your own book, uh, Blue and White and Done Right. Yes. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about what you do as a senior design editor at Frederick Magazine. So I I, I feel very lucky to be at Frederick. I think <clears throat> Frederick is... Um, you know, a true design and architecture magazine um, in a world where um, they're a little bit hard to come by these days in right. print. Um, I think as the senior design editor, my role is to really find and um, capture um, projects of design and architecture that um, may feel atypical for a magazine. We are always looking for a little bit of a surprise element, um, whether that's um, going and photographing a like crazy Art Nouveau townhouse in Belgium or a fortress in the south of Spain or um, a, a museum um, house in Scotland. I think we really are kind of on the pursuit for these um, like interesting, also educational um, pieces and stories. And, um, you know, we commission amazing photography. We commission all of our own photography. And um, I think really try to do these these stories justice, um, stories that really amplify good design and architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's my that's my role. I, I feel... Um, most of the time, a lot more like a um, photo producer, art director, stylist than mm-hmm. I do an editor. <laughs> editing for me is um, a little difficult because I'm flooded with ideas all the time. Um, but I um, love my job and feel, mm-hmm. feel very lucky to be there. So your design journey, what inspired you to pursue a career in design and become a, a editor in the publication yeah. world? Well, my father is an, um, is an artist. He went to college for art and I grew up around art. My parents renovated old homes when I was a boy. And, um, I've always kind of been around the world of art and design. I subscribed to every shelter magazine at the age of like eight or nine and just combed through them and saved them. And, um, I always kind of knew that I'd be somewhere adjacent to, interior design. And, um, I went to school myself for advertising and then for art and, um, and then pitched myself to New York, um, to really just be in the thick of it. And I, um, you know, have, have been so lucky to, to land, um, in such a great place. Could you share some insights into your role at Frederick magazine and how the publication intersects design and its content? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the magazine is very new. So um, a little bit of background on on Frederick is that it, it started out as a marketing publication for Schumacher, which is the fabric and wallpaper mm-hmm. brand. And um, I was the brand manager over there um, and kind of led the charge on the magazine when it was a marketing piece. And um, in probably the early 2019, we started getting inquiries from competitors and other 
um, people in the industry wanting to advertise in in what was then called the bulletin. And I think that it was, um, you know, a exciting thing for us to see that we were being recognized. And um, we took the opportunity to to branch out, to, to make the magazine a separate business and to, um, you know, really be able to call ourselves a real shelter magazine. And mm-hmm. um, since then, I feel like we... Um, we really kind of got to set the ground rules um, of, you, you know, what kind of projects we take. Um, the A big, um, you know, pillar for Frederick is authenticity. There's no, um, you know, editorial add-ons. We don't promise anything to our advertisers. So there's a real, like, um, no strings attached approach to, um, to uh, our editorial content, which is, is very... Um, atypical you know it's right. very it's, it's it's typical for advertisers to be able to 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 buy places in the magazine and to buy stories and editorialize content and it's just something that we don't do and don't offer we really want it to be authentic and um just a highlight on 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 what we feel like is is good design and what's in in the air and um what we're excited about to share um and i think we're given um you know as a as a new magazine there's no um, pretense or, you know, um, we're not building on top of something. We we're getting to create it from the ground up. Um, really, really fun. How's the growth been in the last three years, almost four years now that the, you've come into the market of the publication world? It's been incredible. I think I'm, I'm not exactly the best person to speak to, um, to all the growth from a business perspective, but I do know that we, you know, we sell out every issue from an advertising perspective, which is amazing. I think the distribution has grown to over 75,000, um, which is really great for us. Um, we're on international newsstands now, um, in hotels, we have a lot of, um, hospitality partners and, and airports and, um, you know, it's just really grown and it's grown fast. And we have a great business team that is, um, you know, have come from years at AD and, um, and other design publications that have just kind of spurred us into, um, this whole realm that there was about a year, um, with Frederick in 2020, when we were kind of like renegade doing it ourselves, I was like, <laughs> I was selling advertising cause I had an advertising degree, but I had no idea what I was doing. And, um, I was also like, sending out distribution, um, documents to our printers. And, um, and when we finally hired that business team, I think it really moved us, um, you know, into a place where we could function like a real, real magazine. And it's been, it's been great. They've done a great job. So where did the name Frederick come from? Um, it is the, um, the founding father of, of the whole, um, world of Schumacher. His name was Frederick Schumacher. Um, and the Frederick Schumacher and company is the parent brand that runs all five subsidiary brands, um, that, um, are all kind of included in the, mm-hmm. in the little family, Frederick being one of them and, um, Schumacher and then a rug brand, a paint brand and so on. So we, um, we kind of took that, um, I don't think many people know his first name. So we took that to kind of, yeah. include the, <laughs> who's Frederick where's Frederick? Yeah, exactly. Who is he? <laughs> 
with your competitors and other publications and print magazines and such that are out there, how do you see yourself in this market, especially with uh, social media and everything being online and accessible to the reader where it's quick go and the old style of flipping pages and reading a printed material? How do you see that you differ from that? Well, I think that one thing is that we really prioritize our our printed content. You know, we're four times a year. I think that there's something really special about the paper that we use, the size. You know, Frederick, we're not um, we're not kidding ourselves that it's much more expensive than other shelter magazines. You know, mm-hmm. we know that about the publication, but it it feels like a special thing. You know, when you when you spend you the twenty dollars on it, you want to keep it, you want to savor it, and it feels almost more like an art book. Um, and I think that that was very intentional. We're also very intentional about never um, discounting our magazine. There's no um, subscription promotions. There's no, um, you know, we we don't want to cheapen the content. So it's really, you know, you're paying um, what you pay, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I hope that you you get out what you what you pay in it. And I think you do. I think it it feels special and. Um, I think another thing that I mentioned before, but is is really special, is that we commission our own photography, and it's a hard thing to come by in the industry. But what what it does is one, we're supporting designers and architecture, you know, um, architecture firms by doing that. Um, we don't put the burden of the photo shoot cost on the designer and architect, and we really are um, able to celebrate their work and to present it to the world. And then we're also able to have our own point of view. You know, we're able to to show these projects um, in a way that feels consistent. And um, you know, each each issue spans you know probably five or six different design aesthetics, but they all have this same kind of attitude and mood. And we can really lay them out in a um, consistent and clear um, way that we're that tells the story. How do you choose the the spotlight, highlight, and editorial of each uh, each magazine since you're quarterly, correct? Four times a year? Yeah. So how do you choose? Is there a theme? Is there a focus? Um, and what is that process? Yeah. Well, the so we have never had themed issues um, up until this last fall. And um the CEO of the company really challenged us to think of ways that we could support um, the young designers in the community. Um, and we wanted to come up with an inaugural list and, and something that we could do annually that kind of celebrated mm-hmm. young design. And so we came up with um, what we're calling the Frederick It List, where we chose 10 to 15 young designers on the scene. It's an international list. And um, to really celebrate and their work, and on top of just the um, you know editorial inclusion, we um, gave them a a stipend towards their business and through this huge party in New York, and um, felt very fun and very celebratory. So every fall um, will be dedicated to our it list. Um, but outside of that, the other three issues, um, it really is just about having a, a good mix. So I think when we're looking at projects, we're really trying to, um, you know, see what we have in our back pocket and then build out the issues. We love to have, you know, um, places that span, um, the world, you know, we're mm-hmm. trying to 
be in inclusive and find projects and kind of the the far reaches. I think my big push right now is Central America. I think you know there's not a ton of Central American projects covered in the U.S. in the U.S. shelter right, magazines. Right. Um, so we're we're always on the hunt. And then I think you know we love to have a garden. We love to have an architecture focused piece. We love to have something modern, something more traditional, um, something that feels very approachable. So um, we include six or seven different um, projects in an issue. Um, and I think it really serves, um, you know, it may not be your aesthetic, but I think that there's something for everyone in, in the issue. Well, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about a new book release that you just uh, authored. Yeah. Um, what motivated you to write Blue and White Done Right? And what themes or ideas did you aim to explore in this book? So the book... Um, had quite the evolution. So we started. <laughs> um, we started out with our partnership with Monticelli um, under Fiden. They they approached us about doing um, books from our editorial, you know, kind of perspective. They wanted mm -hmm. the Frederick editors to do books, and um, my editor in chief Dara had asked me to do um, this series of books on decoration by color. And so we decided to start with blue and white and, um, that turned out that we, I, I'm not sure if we'll do more. I think, you know, it was this huge project. It turned into a two year thing and, right. um, but blue and white felt like such a great place to start. I think it has, you know, um, it spans so many different aesthetics. It is a very natural, color combination, you know, it's like the, the sky and clouds and, you know, the sea and, um, waves. It's like blue, blue and white is just kind of instinctive and natural right. and feels very calming. And so it was, a, a it ended up being a great place to start. It's, it's done so well and been very, um, exciting to see how, how the book has, um, you know, the responses to the book. It's been very, very fun. Very. Yeah. So, your design philosophy, how would you describe your personal design and philosophy or approach when working on a project or whether it's for the magazine or the book itself? Um, well, I think, you know, I mentioned authenticity earlier, but I think mm -hmm. I, um, being under Dara's direction, she um, was very, she is and was very conscientious in training me um, to become an editor that, it's very important to know um, the past, to know references so that you can really understand what's authentic, what's a knockoff. You know, um, I think we're really trying to distill down to the the great design that's happening and not just something that's a regurgitation. Um, right. <laughs> not, to, not to knock down inspiration. I think we all have it and we all take it, but to, to distill down to the really good design. Um, and so I think that that's um, kind of a lens that I find myself looking through all the time. And um, especially with the book, we found ourselves wanting to um, really um, include a huge breadth of, of design and designers from all over. And um, I think that that was um, a real key factor was that people were being smart, that there was a real idea behind the decoration that, you know, you're not just... Um, you know, putting up a pelmet on the curtains to put up a pelmet, but you're, right. you're doing it with intention and it's also beautiful. Um, I think we're, it was a very, um, you know, critical way of looking at this, at these designs that ends up making 
a book that not is not just beautiful, but also can be educational and have good, smart decorating inside. So have you been on the book tour? <laughs> I have. Yeah. It's, um, it's been fun. It's been really fun to meet people. I've probably done um, about seven cities so far. We've got Fantastic. several lined up um, going to Atlanta and Palm Beach um, and I think out to LA all in the first quarter of this next year. Um, and um, it's been great to meet people, um, to meet people whose whose images are in the book, um, to meet designers that, you know, are so excited to be featured and um, and then to just see the response on social media and to get emails, um, that's, it's been, it's been very kind. So will there be a book too? Um, th- that's, I, I, <laughs> up I, in the air. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I am about to start on a new book. I think we're, um, <laughs> um, I'm prepping for it. I'm researching for it. Um, but the, it's not on color, um, but it's on something that I'm very excited about. So, um, I'm I'm really excited. I loved the book process. It was so much longer than I thought it'd be. You know, mm-hmm. with a magazine, we have, you know, a month and a half to turn around a whole magazine um, worth of content. And so um a book was 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 a lot longer and took a lot more work. Um, but I'm excited to start the the endeavor again. Fantastic. What are some of the cha- uh, biggest challenges you've faced in your career and how have these experiences shaped your perspective on design? Biggest challenges, um, you know, I think that's a great question. I mean, I, I feel like I keep going back to this, but I think the challenge for me was was really just learning, you know, without having a proper design, you know, interior design background. I came from an art background where, you know, I have a good sense of artists and, um, you know, color and scale and, um, art history movements, but design was a whole nother beast. And then mm-hmm. architecture, which I feel like I'm just now kind of starting to learn and, and learn more about is a whole other beast. And so just being able to, um, you know, educate myself, I think has been, has been the biggest challenge, but I think it's also been the biggest reward. And I have coworkers around me that, um, you know, have, have years and years of experience and there's a lot of challenge there. I find myself personally drawn towards a much more modern and clean aesthetic. And, um, I have coworkers that, you know, would live in a Rococo mansion, you know, (laughs) with every frilly thing in the world. And so I learned so much from that, you know, and I think it's that, um, it's, it's been that education, you know, that doesn't just, um, push me towards my own aesthetic and own, you know, design preferences. That's kind of pushed me out of my box to not necessarily want to live in a space like that or choose that for myself, but to appreciate the beauty of it and to, um, you know, really be able to, um, you know, style it or capture it well. And, um, you know, um, to our, to our best ability. What is Hudson Moore's personal aesthetic? preference and style? Well, um, it is very clean. I think I, um, we did this, um, whole book on style when I first started with Dara. Um, and I, I was really helping with a lot of the, like on the ground research and she worked on this, um, chapter that I think she ended up calling, um, 
sensual and spare or something like that. And I, it really resonated with me because I think it started out, the, the chapter was called Well-Appointed for the Longest Time. And the idea was that, you know, every single piece in a room is chosen and chosen with intention. And I think I, I, I live my life that way. I think I would have a bare room until I found something that I love <laughs> and I've done that. And so I think, you know, I live with very little, I think being con- like kind of, you know, you consume so much design on a day-to-day basis that. Are you a minimalist? I am a strict minimalist. Yeah. Yeah. Terribly, terribly strict minimalist. <laughs> um, but I think I just, I see so much design that once I'm right. home, I need a place for my eyes to rest and for, you know, to be comfortable. I think comfort is key for me. I'm not a minimalist that, you know, wants to sit on a jagged chair, but I, um, I do love very um, masculine things, leather and steel. And, um, you know, I'm, I um, find myself gravitating towards very, very clean, um, very, very sharp and handsome things. So what is your creative process? Can you walk us through your creative process? And do you write the actual storylines for the publication? And what's, no, how do you go from idea to writer. execution? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm a terrible writer. I was given one story once to write in the magazine and um, it did not make the magazine. It oh. <laughs> Someone edited you out. They edited the editor. (laughs) I edited out. Um, My process, I'm working on this this big story right now. Um, I don't do a ton of um, content that, you know, is kind of dreamt up from the beginning and to the end. I'm, you know, I kind of start with a house that someone's already designed and then Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, put an editorial spin on it and kind of like, bring the house to life. Um, but when I am, you know, working on, on, um, stories that kind of start from the ground up, I think it starts often with just like these huge brainstorm sessions. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm a person that really needs to bounce ideas off of people. And I have one coworker in particular, his name's Griffin, and we just sit and bounce ideas off of each other all the time. And, um, it really helps to kind of like, um, clear the noise and to find the, find the story. And then, um, we have big pitch meetings where we bring all of these boards into a room and we'll pin up inspiration images and, and draw out, you know, shots that we want to do. And, um, and that gets approved and then, and then we're on to production and, um, I do quite a bit of stories that need models. And so I'll cast and find hair and makeup artists. And, um, it's, it's very fun. It's very fun. There's, there's definitely an evolution, but I think the more hands that get involved, the better the stories get. So I think, um, you know, I start with a, a very distilled idea and then we bring in creatives that we're excited about and know that they'll do a good job and it only makes it better. Um, so it's a, it's a fun process. It's cool to see where it goes, um, from the beginning and then, and then when it's finally printed. I I assume I would say giving it births, coming into life and all the components being formed together from various entities. Absolutely. In what ways do you believe design impacts and intersects our daily lives and lifestyles? Oh my gosh. I think it's so influential. Um, you know, I think. I will say that I am um, 
you know, I feel so incredibly privileged to be around good design. I know that that is, um, you know, I'm so lucky to be around beautiful things all the time. Um, But I think that good design is much less about, you know, these very rich and wealthy things and much more about living with things and living only with things that you love and that serve you well. And I think that that can really run the gamut on aesthetic and, um, you know, all, all of the things I think, you know, instead of having your house filled with stuff that you feel half excited about, I Mm -hmm. think, you know, waiting until you have, um, something that, that you love and will cherish, um, I think is, is a way that we can be conscious for the planet, for ourselves. I think it has a huge impact on our psychology and the way that we rest and the way that we feel at home and at ease. Um, I think that design is very, very effective on our lives. Um, And whether we give it much, you know, whether we claim that influence or not. Um, And I think it's just a way of living well. You know, I think it's, I've seen um, my my grandmother who who has never had much money, but she lives in such a beautiful way. And every time I'm at her home, I, it's such a special place because I think you know she surrounds herself with with things that she loves, and she um, is is very she cares well in her mm-hmm. home and will serve you, um, you know, coffee and her best teacups and. Um, you know, she's not, um, hasn't just filled her home with, um, you know, throwaway things. Um, and I've, I've always appreciated that. And I think that that's, that's where, you know, design really, really influences our lives. Being on the design side in publication and featuring design and various aesthetics, what do you see some of the following design trends and those that are being created that will stand the test of time? Um, you know, I think trends, I, I'm not one of those people that's like trends die. I think trends are all, (laughs) they're all kind of based out of like a, um, like collective, um, thing that we're all feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's influenced by what's going on in the world, what's going on in, you know, the the cultural world like um pop culture and i think it all has kind of influence on our psyche and what we want to surround ourselves with um so i think you know in times where the world is very tumultuous we all kind of crave to have just comfort and we don't there's not like a lot of um visual chaos um but i think at home like people are really leaning towards that like clean right. Um, like quiet aesthetic that, you know, we hear all the time. It started in fashion with quiet luxury. And now it's kind of in the home with people wanting textures that they feel like really ground them, like really nubby linens and leathers that are soft to the touch. And, um, you know, like just a lot less noise, a lot Mm -hmm. less pattern. Um, But I think on the flip side of that, you know, I think that with the um, onslaught that we had of this kind of like farmhouse aesthetic, we are coming into a time where people are wanting color again in their lives and wanting their home to be 
a place where they feel happy and, um, you know, it's not all grayed out. And I think that that may sound opposing, but I think that there are kind of like two different camps. Um, and I think that both trends are really strong right now. Um, there are people that find themselves, you know, wanting to be excited in their homes and then people that are really wanting their homes to be a sanctuary and be a place that, um, you know, really cuts through the noise of the world and, and, and really gives them a place to rest. What do you think of some of the design aesthetics out there that are cookie cutter? Like you mentioned farmhouse where everyone is wanting a farmhouse look and it's all white and grays and grays over, over. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, context is very important. Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, grew up in Oklahoma. I've been to some incredible farmhouses and I think, you know, if it's, if it's authentic to where you are and to, um, to the lifestyle that you live, I think it'll feel right. I think if you build a farmhouse in Michigan, you know, um, it's just going to feel disconnected. You're not going to, it just doesn't feel correct. Um, so I, I think, you know, that, um, you know, putting brand new barn signs up in your home may not be best when you live in California. But I think, you know, if you find one in a junk store in the back of an actual barn in Oklahoma and um, you you throw it in your farmhouse that, you know, sits by a pond, it's going to feel natural and going to feel, you know, at home there. Mm. A place and purpose. And and like you said, a connection too into your locality. What advice would you give to young designers or writers who inspire to excel in the field? especially in the realm of publishing and design? I think curiosity is so important. Um, you know, I, um, I think that to be um, just excited and to see um, the world of design at large, I think it's easy to feel very, um, you know, to get very pigeonholed, especially mm-hmm. as a designer, when you're working with specific clients, you're really you're designing to a client's wants and needs. So to really educate yourself and go beyond those aesthetic limitations that you have from your clients can be a very difficult thing, but I think it's important. And I think that the worlds of fashion and art and entertaining and gardening and all of these things kind of also inform um, and and kind of help you grow. So I think a curiosity across the board, I think is very um, important. Um, and then I think, you know, just, just the, the, the getting out there. And I think this, this feels, um, again, kind of contrary to that first thing, but I think it's important also to, to kind of cut the noise a little bit, I think, to trust yourself and to really, um, to find your own aesthetic, because I think things with social media and, um, Pinterest and these, things can really be, can start to get very overwhelming and you Mm -hmm. also start to compare yourself with other people. And, um, I think it's really important to find your way. And then, um, you know, before you really start to either add to the noise or engage with the noise, um, I think it's, you know, you have to really, um, know yourself and, um, and, and your design and your place. Um, and then, you know, and then you can start to engage. It's also um, the emotions, the connectivity to your senses too. You totally. might like, so you're not 
as they call a uh, shiny ball, shiny ball, shiny ball, you know, what, yeah. what's engaging you in, and stirring your minds and emotions and your feelings? Yeah, absolutely. There was this whole, I found myself doing this. This is so bizarre, but I found myself doing this with um, gold medals. There was a time in like 2016 when gold was like all the rage and it was gold right. flatware and gold hardware <laughs> and gold everything. And then I, I stopped one day and I was like, I hate gold. Like, I'm so, <laughs> I don't even like it. Like I'm much more of like a, a steel or chrome person. And, and I was, so it's like, that was, that was just something that was so influenced by everyone on social media and Pinterest. And it was just fed to me. And then I was like, wait, I did, I hate this. Like, you know, <laughs> I think it's important to really um, establish what you love. You got p- pulled into to a trend. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> Where do you see the future of design heading, particularly within the context of the changing consumer preferences and technological advancements? Well, um, I am very passionate about design um, education from a sense of, um, you know, I, I think we really have to start considering and, and looking at our consumption and are, um, you know, how we buy and buying well, um, not just for, um, ourselves and for our homes, but, but for the world and for the planet and being conscious of, you know, the way things are made, um, the impact that they have on, Mm -hmm. on the people that make them on the, you know, the materials that are used. Um, and, um, I think that, 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 consciousness i think is really going to start to lead um the way that we buy and consume i think that it it kind of already has started in the way that um you know how things are priced i think we're getting a real um divide between not to you know we're getting a real divide between a lamp that you find on amazon and Mm -hmm. then a lamp that you're going to purchase from someone that made it you know um i think you know, one is, um, made with intention, you know, there may be making five lamps and then one is made in mass production and you can really see the difference in not just quality, whereas one lamp will, you know, be, you know, trash in two years and the other lamp that's going to be an heirloom piece. So I think, Mm -hmm. um, I think that the world of design, I've, hope and pray that it's moving in a more conscientious, um, place and, and not like I've been, I sound like a broken record, but just (laughs) not buying to fill something in your home, but buying when you know, you love it, you know, you're going to keep it forever. Um, instead of just trying to, trying to fill your home up as quick as you can. Right. Right. We've become such a throwaway society and we're not keeping things that you know, a value of craftsmanship, which is depleted as well. You know, if we keep things a little bit longer, we'll help the global environment and sustainability in general. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. What have, what has surprised you on this journey of yours as you started in the publication world? Um, so, so many things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, what, what has surprised me most? I mean, I, I've been so, I, I say this all the time, how lucky we are in to work in the world of design, because I think 
I was very intimidated at the beginning to become an editor and to start to engage with all of these craftspeople and artists and designers and architects, but it is such a kind and welcoming world. I think mm-hmm. as a um, you know young person just jumping in, I have been you know just very lucky to either have just met the really good people in the industry or ha- um, you know or there just are really good people in in the industry, and I think there are. It's we we say all the time, you know, design is a service industry. You know, right. a designer is in the same line as a construction worker, as a plumber, as an electrician. You know, they're dealing more with the aesthetics on the outside, but it is a service to their clients to build them a home that that's going to work for them and that they're mm-hmm. going to love. And I think that I have really seen, you know, just no pretension, no snobbery. I find that there has been a very welcoming and, and, um, great, um, environment in the design and architecture world. And I, that's been a big surprise and a really, really good one. What's next for Hudson Moore? Um, well, I'm hopefully going to start working on this book, which, um, I'm very excited about, and I think it will consume, every waking moment of my life. <laughs> uh, I, um, I'm excited about some more book tour stops. That'll be very fun. And, um, we've got a big year ahead for Frederick. I, um, am in four different cities in January and, um, already have like th- three international trips on the books, um, before May. And, um, so there's, there's a lot of, of new stuff and, and we get to start working on, um, next year's it list which i'm very excited about the the young designer um you know finding them is mm-hmm. is a whole thing it's like i find myself just on instagram and um you know just talking with friends and getting recommendations and um so i'm i'm really on the hunt for that and um yeah, that's what's that's what's happening. It's all all exciting, all um, you know, things in very early processes, but it's it's fun and I'm looking forward to it all. Fantastic. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share with us and tell us or give our listeners a preview of who Hudson Moore is? Oh, that's so nice. Um, I <laughs> so thank you for having me on. This has been Absolutely. so so fun. It's been great. Well, I want to thank you for your time and coming on the show. It's been a complete joy and pleasure to have you today. Thank you. I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Which much success to you and book number two, and we will chat soon, Hudson. It sounds great. All right. You take care. All right. Bye-bye.